Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... become Christ to people when we are reviled, when we are treated poorly. Good, grace-motivated conduct. What I mean by that, not we're trying to get God's approval, but by the grace of God, if you've trusted in Jesus, you have His approval. Good, grace-motivated conduct positions the committed follower for anything. But poor conduct opens us up for the discipline of God and will render us ineffective in our service to God. When we face opposition for our faith, we have a choice to make. On one hand, we can stand firm in our beliefs and model Jesus' life to people around us, no matter what they say or do. On the other hand, we can back away from our message and allow the influences of non-Christian people around us to change what we share. Pastor Jim encourages us today to pick the former, though it is decidingly more difficult. With Jesus' help, we can continually stand up for truth and it will make a difference. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 with part two of his message entitled, Ready for Anything. It is the confidence that we have that the Lord is good and the Lord is in control of the events of our lives. It is those concepts that fill our hearts with hope because what's the temptation when things are going wrong? That God's not good, right? And if he's not going to take care of me, maybe I have to take care of myself. Or maybe he's not God in control, and maybe I'm going to have to do some things to control the events of my life. No, he says on the front end, on the front end, get that straight. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. On the front end, know that God is good. Know that he is in control. And the Bible teaches something, that concept or practice that we call put off and put on. The Apostle Paul said, you know, put off stealing, put on going to work. So here we're told, put off fear, put on hope. Put off fear in the circumstances, put on hope in the Lord. Who, by the way, interestingly enough, in quoting the Isaiah passage from hundreds of years earlier, Isaiah was talking about Yahweh is the Lord, and Peter's talking about who? Jesus. And so anybody reading it back then would say, oh my goodness, this guy just said Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is Yahweh. People say, oh, you know, the Bible never said that Jesus is God all the time, just not in the language that an American would say such a thing. So setting Jesus Christ apart in our hearts will come out in our behavior, in our speech, right? If we want to know about our faith, all we have to do is listen to ourselves, I have to listen to ourselves talk. Can't tell you how often I, I, something flies out of my mouth and I'm like, oh, oh, not what I just said, but also that my faith is in a very, very bad place. Now, it's kind of interesting that here in suffering, okay, our faith will come out in our behavior, in our speech, and Peter makes the assumption that if we're behaving rightly, that people will ask us. People will ask us to give them a reason for the hope that is within us. 
Now, I know this is hard, and that's probably not going to be the best for some of us to hear, and you're going to be like, oh, why'd I come today, man? But, but if nobody is asking you about your faith, if you're not getting a few digs from people here and there, if people aren't mocking you out, like, oh, you're one of them now, or, or something like that, that is not good. That is not good. You say, well, all my friends are Christians. That is not good. <laughs> that is not good. But when they do mock you out or dig you or ask you questions about your faith that kind of puts you in a hard position, it's so important that you already see Jesus Christ as Lord, as sovereign, as good. Because if you don't, with some people, you're going to be in for a rough ride. Because some people, especially if they read much on the internet, and I mean, there's a lot of what I call internet atheists these days, they've read a lot of different stuff that's going to put all kinds of doubt in your mind. I, I love talking with them because, you know, basically the internet atheists have a very superficial, largely, of what actually is going on in the Bible. And so we have to be really careful. Because what happens to us once we start to feel like we're not able to talk about it or we're having our own doubts, we start to preach behavior to people. Oh, well, I'm a Christian because I do this. No, we're Christians because we've, Jesus has met us and we've put our trust in him. And so, yes, we, do, we can discuss people's behavior with them, but we have to get to the Savior who has died on the cross in our place for our sins. Notice he says, always be ready. Always be ready to explain the reason for the hope that's in you. Be prepared to talk about Jesus. Be prepared to answer questions about him. But I think that assumes, Peter's saying here, that you have a, a heart full of hope, right? You have a story to tell if you are a Christian of how Jesus met you. And really, you should be ready to tell that story. You don't have to be like, well, I'd like to tell you about Jesus, but I'm not a pastor. Once I tell people I'm a pastor, like, oh, I gotta go right now. <laughs> you can't say to people, well, you know, I need to take a course in presuppositional apologetics. If you don't know what that is, that's okay. Because you have a story to tell. And notice he says, it's for all of us here. True, we need to have an intellectual knowledge of the Christian faith. We need to have a grasp on the essentials. Right into the church, we can help you get started in that if you don't have them. And we have to be able to give a clear explanation of why we have decided to become followers of Jesus. But hope drives our heart. Hope in the Lord Jesus drives our heart in sharing with people. Hope drives our heart in reading the Bible, believing the Bible, even if we don't full-heartedly agree with what God says. Matthew 10, 19, and 20, Jesus said this, But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. Now, some pastors say, that's why I don't study to get, you know, for sermons. Well, listen, you're not a court. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know you're getting in your car, you know, Pastor Jim, B minus, you know, A plus. But no, never that. But, um, you know, C plus. It was like some of you are like, it was better last week when he just made up the sermon because it was snowing, right? But, you know, we, we have to study. Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved, a, a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. Matthew 19, 20, Jesus continues, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. I have to put things together to help me remember stuff. So I like to think of it this way. We prepare and the Holy Spirit performs. We prepare and the Holy Spirit performs. In other words, we're not the performers. We're not drawing attention to ourselves, but we're allowing the Holy Spirit to draw attention to the Lord Jesus Christ through our lives. Basically, it goes like this. 
the Holy Spirit pulls out what we put in. He pulls out what we put in. And so the more you put in, you'll be amazed once you get started talking what the Spirit of God will do. But if you don't put anything in, there's really nothing to pull out. You know, I can remember a time with one of the kids in the youth group. It was a Sunday night, and uh, you know, they had a big test the next morning. It was 8 o'clock at night, and they said, oh, I have a big test tomorrow. And uh, I was like, well, can you pray for me, Pastor Jim? And, and I said, well, you know, um, did you study? And they said, no. And I said, well, you're going to stay up all night and study? They said, no, I'm going to home watch YouTube videos. I'm been watching some, some show on Netflix or something like that. And I just said, okay, well, let's pray. And I just said, Lord, would you please bring a blizzard tomorrow so school's canceled? <laughs> because we know that you bring out what we put in. Downside, it was July, so uh, that probably wasn't going to happen. <laughs> no, it really wasn't. But, I, but that is a true story. That, that is a true story. You know, Hebrews 6 says this, that we have to get past the elementary things of the faith and move on to maturity. You know, that's a concern for me. As It's one of the reasons why, why I think we're here in Morris County, one of the reasons why we're trying to have a radio station that has just the best Bible teaching around and one other lame loser who happens to be on it who's me. But really, just to bring the Word of God back to this area because when you talk to most Christians in this area, they're really struggling with the basic elementary things of the faith, and they're not moving on to maturity. Do you know that about half the churches up here buy into the strategy that you are to, the pastor is to teach the teenager sitting in the congregation so they bring the parents back next week? I mean, that's not a good way to drive people towards maturity. So in context here, Peter's telling us when people see a follower of Jesus respond to suffering with faith, that will be an opportunity for people to ask you questions, and he's saying, be ready. It's these kind of questions, you know, what makes you tick? How are you going through all this and still standing up? How can you have joy? And Peter's saying here, be very careful how you answer. Because when you answer, at that moment, you represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And even if someone is angry with you, be careful how you speak. Don't get roped into an argument with them. Share with them the wonders of the crucified and risen Savior who called you to the forgiveness of sins and eternal life and calls them as well. Colossians 4, 6 says this, the Apostle Paul writes, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. You will be ready. And the hope that gets deep into our hearts, how do you get that? That comes from being taught the Bible without worrying about if there's parts of it that we're not going to like. That comes from daily time alone with God and the word of God. Some people go, well, you know, I read a whole chapter. I only understood two verses. That's enough for the day, trust me. That's enough for the day. It comes from spending time with the Lord in prayer and walking with Jesus, reflecting on the gospel and what God has done for you, reflecting on the faithfulness of the Lord. It's not telling people about your morality and their morality. It's not telling people about prosperity and how God's going to make you rich because very few people end up getting rich. It's simply explaining to people how Jesus met you, how you came to see that without the cross, without turning to God and putting your trust in Jesus Christ, you, who were a fairly decent person, most of us, had absolutely no chance of heaven. Tell people 
that you know that Jesus sees you. You know that he hears you in the midst of your suffering. You know that someday he will reward you for your suffering, okay? That he is growing you in the midst of it. And this, this is what fills your heart with hope. Now, hope in the Bible, we've said this before, hope in the Bible is not wishful thinking. It's not like you talk to one of your friends and they tell you what's going on and you go, well, I hope it turns out right for you. And you get in your car and you look at who's ever in the car with you, you go, they're dead, <laughs> right? That's not, that's not what hope is in the Bible. Hope is in the Bible is the confident expectation in God that he will do what he says. It is the confident expectation that the Savior who rose from the dead will raise all of those who put their trust in him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, that's those who have died, lest you sorry as others who have no hope. There's not many things better being a pastor, believe it or not, than doing a funeral for someone who believed in Jesus. To be able to look everybody right in the eye and say, I know they're in heaven. I know they're with Jesus. And you too can have that same assurance in your life by putting your trust in him. This is not a sad thing. We're sad because people miss him for sure, but we are not sad for them. We don't cry as people who have no hope. We have great hope. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. That is the hope of the gospel. Hearts filled with that hope will be ready for anything but we need to continually remind ourselves. We have to hurry here. Fear and faith, okay? Heart and hope and being ready for anything. We need to look at the relationship between conscience and conduct. Conscience and conduct. Now, by the way, for you Bible students, 1 Peter is perhaps the most prominent book in the New Testament that equates the example of Jesus for how we are supposed to live. So if it seems like, oh my gosh, the last two weeks ago we talked about, is this works righteousness? That is one of the focuses of the way Peter writes here in 1 Peter. Well, he says, verse 16, uh, having a good conscience that when they defame you, some of your versions say abuse you, it actually means verbal abuse, not physical abuse, as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for good than for doing evil. You're like, finally a verse I understand, right? You're like, that, that makes a lot of sense, okay? But it actually is sometimes God's will that you will suffer for doing good. And then just a little bit of verse 18. For Christ also suffered, parentheses, for doing good, right? Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Now we'll take a real hard look at that next week, Lord willing, and then we'll move into one of the more the tougher passages of the Bible, and I would really encourage you to come because we're going to learn next week how, what do you do with those really gnarly passages, to quote my California surf friends, right? Uh, what do we do with those passages that seem to just be out in the blue? So that's for next week. So we will be prepared for the future if we have a good conscience towards God. If we know, okay, that based upon the word of God, not our feelings, that we are right with him. Now the conscience is an interesting thing. 
God uses it to speak with us. He uses it to, uh, the Bible tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans that it's one of the things we will be judged on, that everybody has a conscience, and if they say, well, you know what, I didn't know this, I didn't know that, God works through our conscience. But there's a balance with it. Some of us, our consciences are just too hyperactive. I mean, just everything's wrong. Everything's a mistake. And God's going to swat you like a cockroach, right? No, 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 no. Others of us, we have no conscience. We just, everything is fine. Oh, the Lord led me. You need to read your Bible more carefully. Okay? So God wants us to have a balance. But I can tell you one thing he doesn't want that I see in a lot of Christians, a lot. A lot of Christians live with this sense of low-level guilt. That is not what the Lord wants for his people. I mean, that is absolutely paralyzing, isn't it? When you just think it's never enough or it's never good enough. Here he gives us a strategy for that. He says, determine in advance, and this is not easy, but determine in advance to be like Jesus when people speak ill of you that you don't reply in kind. When people mock you out for your faith that you're going to be like Jesus on the cross. Remember, we covered that already. When they reviled him, he did not revile them back. When they mocked him, he did not mock them back. Now, please listen very carefully because if you soundbite me on this, it's going to sound like blasphemy. This is living out the gospel. This is living it out. What is he saying? He's saying that just as Jesus suffered for our salvation, the always ready Christian will be ready to suffer for the salvation of others. Now, we cannot live a perfect life like Jesus did. We cannot bear the wrath of God for the sins of the world on the cross and be raised from the dead in the manner in which Jesus was. Only Jesus can do that. That's why the Bible says he is the only way to God. But we can show Jesus to people. We can become Christ to people when we are reviled, when we are treated poorly. Good, grace-motivated conduct. What I mean by that, not we're trying to get God's approval, but by the grace of God, if you've trusted in Jesus, you have his approval. Good, grace-motivated conduct positions the committed follower for anything. But poor conduct opens us up for the discipline of God and will render us ineffective in our service to God. It's God's will that good conduct will be reviled by some. So when you do the right thing and people make fun of you or they mock you out or they're nasty to you, understand that that is God's will, that sometimes that's going to happen. It is God's will that most people will be indifferent to your good conduct. But some will believe. In 1987... An arrogant, full of prideful man, me, was on a job site with a young man who was working for a temp agency, and I was making 20 times an hour what he was making, and I mocked his faith out so bad. And God used his kindness and love to annoy the snot out of me. And then when I heard somebody preach the good news of the Savior crucified on the cross in my place for my sins, and I went to 12 years of religious school, 
it began to click. One day the Lord Jesus Christ will return as judge and the revilers will suffer. The indifferent will suffer. But oh, how those who live for Jesus Christ will be honored. Oh, how they will be glad. A couple weeks ago, my wife, she does more of this than I do. She writes verses for the day on index cards and one day she, she left it on the kitchen counter, so I snooped. And she written, Nahum 1-7, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. You might think, well, I have totally failed at this, Pastor Jim. You don't understand. It's too late for me. Just let me give you a quick history of the apostle Peter. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to die on the cross. He said, no, you're not. Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. Peter, F. <laughs> okay. Not too good. Then Jesus says, oh, you're going to deny me. Jesus says, hey, if I got to die with you, no way, man. No way, Jesus. That's not going to happen to me. And he denied him three times. Peter, F. <laughs> Even when the Lord restores him at the end of John's gospel, Peter kind of gets into it about, well, what's going to happen to John? I mean, the Lord's like, dude, just follow me. D. <laughs> so Peter goes into the book of Acts with a very bad GPA. I mean, he's really not doing too well. And then he preaches these great sermons and thousands of people get saved. And you're like, oh, finally, finally. And later on in the book of Acts, he gets into an argument in the, with the Holy Spirit about food. <laughs> right? He's like, I'm not eating that. And God's like, well, you can, man. Come on. Peter, F. <laughs> and then we also know the Apostle Paul says he had to get in his face because he gave into peer pressure for going back to these old rituals. Peter, F. But now Peter's old. And he comes to us and he says today, man, by the grace of God, you can be forgiven. By the grace of God, he makes all things new. His mercies are new every morning. You can start new today. By God's grace, you can live the Christian life in the power of God. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, yet, maybe today's your day. Again, the beginning of verse 18, which we'll talk about next week. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. And look at this that he might bring us to God. For now, know this, Jesus Christ is willing to bring you to God. Jesus Christ is willing to bring you to heaven if he's willing, if you are willing to come to the foot of the cross, to look up at the Savior with his arms wide open, to say, I'm sorry, I know I've sinned against you, and to put your trust in him and say, I'm not yet a follower of Jesus, but I want to know more, or maybe I'm just so tired. I know today's the day I got I to give my life to the Lord. If you are a follower of Jesus, we are called to trust every day. We can be ready for anything. Not only are we ready to die, sometimes I think that's all we think about, but don't you know we're ready to live? 
It's time for us to start to be known as not the people of misery, but the people of joy. Not that bad things don't happen, not that life isn't hard, but we know we can trust in the Savior because He's promised to bless us. He's put us in a place of great privilege to suffer as He did so we too can be honored one day when we see His face in heaven. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of 1 Peter. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.